Good evening, let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And then hymn number 106, praise him, praise him. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. I will say. Continue in singing, oh, worship the King, and then come, Christians, join to sing.
If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this evening, the message is reaching for unity in home and church. Reaching for unity in home and church. Uh, certainly, as we look at the world we live in today, as you see what's going on globally, even in our nation, our community, if you do it all uh, front porch forum, um, if you watch your local news, or even just listen at the convenience store, you know that we live in a pretty divided world today, don't we? There is not a lot of unity in our community, in our nation, sometimes even in our own homes, as you talk to folks and find out where they are and, and situations and circumstances. And so my goal tonight is to reinforce in us the understanding that we should always strive towards unity. Certainly a home divided against itself, when you look in the scriptures, you find that that home is destined for failure. The same thing with a church or even as a nation. When we are constantly divided and constantly pulling against each other, then you really are headed down the road to failure. So tonight, my goal, my objective is to help us as Christians to understand how important it is to strive towards unity. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to read to you verses 17 and 18. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So here you find the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, I have heard through the rumor mill of churches back at a time when the only way the word got passed was from mouth to ear. Little bit of writing, not a lot. So he's saying that other churches, other people, other communities are talking about the church in Corinth that the church there was not unified. And of course, he goes on to talk about communion and how important communion, communion is, is coming together in unity. But it's really not just about uh, communion. It's about the broader subject of unity. And certainly in our lives, we should desire to see unity. We should be praying for our nation to be one nation under God unity under the umbrella of the protective hand of our Lord. It should not be that we're so divided about everything. Well, the same thing within our homes. It's sad that so many homes are divided about so many different issues, whether it be uh, the, the, the social issues of the day or how to manage finances or how to raise the kids. So many homes are divided. So tonight, what we're going to look at, first of all, is the simple truth that division is destructive. Whether it be in the home, the church, the community, the nation, it's destructive. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, if you'll look there with me, I want you to look at that verse. And I'm going to take you to a number of verses tonight. So either you want to warm up your fingers to page through your Bible, or Mike back there is going to warm up his fingers to type into that computer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, we come down, it says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and what? 
divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? So here God warns us. He says to the church in Corinth, he says, listen, this division that's a part of you that you've allowed to come into your midst, whether it be home or church or wherever it may be, it leads to all these problems, envying and strife. It's a reflection of carnality. And so he tells them, he says, walk as men. He's telling them, man up, start working together. Come into unity with a purpose, a single vision that you might pull together as a team instead of pulling against one another. And carnality is something that you and I as Christians, we should look at the very thought of being carnal and say, no, that's not me. I'm not going to be as the carnal man. I want to be as the spiritual man. Well, part of being the spiritual man, according to this text, is striving towards unity, learning how to work with others, especially within our home, our church, our community. We should be a people who are able to work together. Turn with me, if you would, over to Mark chapter 3 in the Gospels. And I want you to look with me at Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. When we look at Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, he reminds us of the fragility of any place when it is not unified one with another. So look down with me at Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. It says, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And here what we have is the Lord Jesus Christ is responding to criticism towards him. And he's going to focus right in on unity. And he says to them, he says, listen, you can't call me the devil because there's no way that could possibly be. Because for that to happen would be that I'm a divided person. God and Satan in one. Goes down and talks about that, not exactly as I just said. But he condemns them. He says, you, you beware. You beware sinning against the Holy Spirit. But here he touches on the destruction of uh, disunity, whether it be in a kingdom or in a home. That's not a hard concept for us to grasp, is it? Even as a nation, when we week after week after week see disunity, uh, people become concerned, don't they? president we have right now, he ran for office promising to bring unity to our country. Do you remember that during the campaign trail? Made a number of speeches about unifying our country. Wouldn't that have been a wonderful thing? If it's even possible to happen. But we have not seen unity. We continue to see division, division, division. It's not good for our country. But it's not good for our homes. And that's why Christ speaks about both of those things. He says a kingdom that is in disunity cannot stand. But he also talks about the home. He reminds us that neither can a home stay together if it is divided. Verse 25. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And then he goes right in to talk about that uh, reference they made to, concerning him. He says, if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath no, hath, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. 
Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wheresoever they shall be shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal condemnation. But they said, he hath an unclean spirit. So they were trying to say that Christ had the devil in him. Christ is saying it's impossible. Can't be divided against myself. And he takes that lesson to you and I. And he says, neither can our homes succeed when we are divided against ourselves. So in your home, you should strive towards unity. You should talk through things, work through things, study through things. If you have great disagreement at home, take time to try to work through that as much as is possible that you might be able to pull together. Now, I realize that sometimes that's a very difficult thing to find that unity, but you should strive to find it as much as is possible within you. So here he's teaching us that division is destructive. It's destructive to nations. It's destructive to the home. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Here he's talking to the church. He's saying, hey, church, you need to come together, study the word of God, know Christ, know the relationship with Christ, that you might speak the same things that there be no divisions among you, that you might be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's why it's important for you to come for Bible hour and Sunday night and Wednesday night services so that you can sit under the teaching and preaching of the scriptures. It's important that you read your Bible, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, the Bible says. Why? So that we can be one in understanding of the scriptures as a church. So yes, it's important to have unity for our nation and how we need to pray to see that happen. Yes, we need to work towards unity in our home. And we should be praying for that, working towards that all the time. You know, it's an interesting thing. Some people just simply like to be contrary. Have you ever met somebody like that? They like to be contrary. You know, you, you start a conversation with them and they are uh, instantly going to veer the other way. Even if they agree with you, they're going to disagree because they like to be contrary. Well, if you, if, if you think that's you, man, that's something to work on. That's not something to be proud of. You know, you don't want to be walking around and saying, yeah, man, I am contrary and proud of it. Ah, that's not a good thing. You really want to learn how to begin to get along. The Bible says get along with all men as much as is possible within you. And he says that because he knows that there are folks who are simply hard to get along with. But it shouldn't be us. We should be striving to not be that hard to get along with. Amen? Amen. Romans 16, 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Isn't it interesting that God teaches us the same lesson that our parents taught us when we were little boys and girls? They taught us, don't hang around with those that are going to get you in trouble. Learn to recognize them and avoid them. 
Because what happens when they get in trouble and you're with them? You get in trouble too, don't, don't you? And so here he's telling us, he says, recognize and mark those people who create division and disunity. If you have a good friend that comes to your house and every time you're visiting, they're constantly trying to create division in your home. They're poking, prodding. You know, they like to see you and your wife argue or the kids to argue with you and they fan that and they go ahead and try to encourage it. Learn to recognize that and don't invite them over. If they're going to cause, cause division and strife in your house, that is not a good friend. If they're going to, at teenager, if they're going to kind of fan the conflict between you and your parents, that's not a good friend. And parents, if, if you have people who come and they're constantly poking, prodding, trying to create division, you need to learn to recognize them. The Bible says, mark them in your mind. That takes a little thought, doesn't it? Just, yeah. Next time we invite folks over, maybe not that divisive, contrary, stirring person. And so he tells us, mark those who cause it. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses, contrary to doctrine. The word doctrine simply means truth in you and I in our lives. You know, when we spend enough time with people who do not believe truth, then we become tainted by that lack of truth. It's one of the dangers of when we go to school as kids. If, if what's being taught to us is not true, even as much as we might recognize it, sometimes it wears off on us. You have to be very cautious of constantly influencing yourself with false doctrine, false truth. You have to be careful. We, we live in a day and an age where you can go ahead and you can get on your phone. I don't have my phone with me, but you scan, can scan through. You can, you can listen to everything from fruits to nuts. You can get a podcast that will be crazier than a hoot owl or as sound as sound can be. But you have to be wise enough to discern what's truth and what's not. And that's not always easy to do, is it? Same thing with television. If you're not careful, boy, you can get on there and you can, you can watch preachers who just are so crazy out there, or you can get guys who really are sound. But it's not always easy to discern. And the longer and the more you listen to a lack of truth, the harder it is to recognize truth. So here he tells us, he says, learn to mark them. And then avoid them so that you yourself might be a person of truth. So we understand that division, division in, in doctrine and truth, division in the home, division in our community, our nation, all of that only leads to destruction. So as we come down, my second point tonight simply is unity accomplishes great, great things. Disunity brings destruction, but unity builds. It's very hard to build anything in disunity. Um, 
I worked for many, many years in machine shops. Started when I was 16 years old. Last time I punched out, I was 32 years old. So that's 16 years ago in the machine shops and working, either full-time or part-time. And one thing in machining you had to do was be well-organized because everything had to be dead on right or it was scrap, it was wrong. So you had to, you had to have all your stuff in order. The guys who could not do that never kept their jobs long. You had to think through, organize, plan, have all your tools, make sure all your tools were accurate and right. You had gauges to adjust all your stuff to bring it right in because you had to be one with the project so that when it was done, it was right. But it doesn't matter whether it's machining or making cheese. I mean, it has to be organized and in place and come out right. Nobody wants to go ahead and, and get Swiss cheese that instead tastes like cottage cheese, right? I mean, you want it to be right. So God is teaching us here. He's saying, listen, you need to pull things together into unity, organized, considered. It needs to be truth. It needs to be right in your life. Your homes and my home, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, Sandra, Joe, and I, we've been married this month, 44 years. Can you imagine? And I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but you know what? Through all the years when we were very, very young, it was tough to always be on the same page. You had to learn each other. I mean, I mentioned it here a while ago. I never imagined there was such a huge difference between grow up, growing up in Texas or growing up in Massachusetts. But there's a world of difference in everything. We had to work through the years to kind of come onto the same page. But it was worth it. Now she thinks just like me. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. I can't see her. Maybe she's sitting out there. I don't know. But, um, but you and I, unity truly does accomplish great things in the home, in the family. When my kids were still at home and growing up, the cardinal sin was for them to pit Sandy and I against each other. And we knew and they learned that we were going to be one in the decisions made. So if one of the kids came to me and said, can I go do this and this? And I say, no. And they go to Sandra Joe. she's gonna ask, did you ask your dad? Yes. What'd he say? He said, no. She's going to look at the kid and say, no. Why? Because dad said no. Now, later on, she'd come around and she'd say, now, Tim, why did you say no? And I'll explain why I said no. And hopefully we come out in agreement out of that. But we work together in unity. Why? Because disunity accomplishes only destruction. We wanted to build a family. So we wanted to build unity between ourselves, between our children. So let's look at some verses here. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 133. This is a great text. It's got some real visual literature in it. Listen as I read down for you, verses one through three. Behold how good and how pleasant 
It is for brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So God tells us, he says, unity, that coming together in unity is good and pleasant for brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he gives us these visual pictures. He said it's, it's like the precious ointment upon the head of Aaron. So he's talking about when Aaron was anointed as priest, as that oil was poured upon his head, as it just flowed down, that pleasant scent came down across his beard and dropped down upon his garment. Now see, you and I today, we're thinking to ourselves, I don't know if I really would like that oily. Nah, not so sure. But historically, for those people, that was, for one thing, we're not talking about in a day and age of excessive bathing. See, they would, did you know that there was a time in even U.S. history when it was greatly debated if it was not exceedingly healthy for you to bathe once a week? That was, that was, you're hurting yourself. Never mind once a day. I was just talking to somebody the other day who told me when they were growing up, they would get three baths a year. Three baths a year. Now they explained to me that they did do cloths and sponges every day. But three times a year, they were able to bathe. Now that's interesting. I'm not promoting that. But at this time in history, when we have Aaron, oils and scents, well, they were pleasant. People did not have all the things that you and I have. They certainly did not bathe every day. They might wash a little, but water also was a precious thing as well. So the, the visual of the ointment, the pleasant odor and scent, the the pleasantness upon the skin, all of them. Uh, the gal who cuts my hair, she tells me, she says, Pastor, you should use product. Do you know what product is? I don't use product. So John can explain to you product. If anybody needs to know about product, come talk to me. Yeah, John knows product. So, I mean, I don't have much hair as it is. Why did... Why would Will and I need product, <laughs> right? So product is oils and stuff like that. So she told me, she said, your beard, your beard. She said, there's really nice product out now. Make your beard soft. Sandra Jo likes my beard the way it is. It's all natural. I don't need product. But Aaron here in your text, that oil going down, making his hair soft, smelling good. Mrs. Aaron is thinking, man. So here he draws a visual picture for us. He said, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that it went down to the skirts of his garments. 
But then he draws another visual picture for us, how wonderful unity is. He says, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So he's talking to a people who live in a very arid part of the world, rarely get rain like you and I know of rain. But dew is precious to bring moisture to the plants, to bring moisture and greenness, even not so much all the time green. Um, Justice lived over there in Israel for a little while. Pretty arid place, huh? Yep. But that dew is part of what keeps it all alive. And it's a, these people are a nomadic people. They're an agricultural society. Their sheep and goats and camels are dependent upon that dew to keep that little bit of scrub that's out there alive. And he says, how precious is that dew? It's even as precious as unity. Sometimes we take for granted unity. You know, I will tell you, as a pastor through the years, you know, and I've pastored a long time now, and I've seen many, many families go through some exceedingly difficult times. And if they're not pulling together, the time is even harder. Whether it be a financial time, a health issue within their home, whether it's raising kids or, or launching kids and becoming, you know, that empty nester. If they're pulling together, it's even as the dew upon the mountains. It's even as that precious ointment that came down upon Aaron. It's pleasant. It's good. So God wants us to know that unity is something to be desired. It's something that is pleasant. It is something that is good. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, it says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one towards another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's important to look in this text and understand that he's saying that when we are in unity, we glorify God. We want to glorify God. We want, we want him to be adored, lifted up, exalted, glorified. And so he's telling us in this text that you and I, when we come together in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are like-minded one towards another in our faith and our hope and our vision, he says, we glorify God in those things. He's pleased by that. He's lifted up. He's exalted. So it's something for us to strive towards. It is why I encourage our church, the folks who are live streaming, when you're able to, we need you to come back. Come and worship together that we might be one as a body. And I know that there's all kinds of special circumstances that I have not yet been able to come to pass, but I'm looking for it to happen. This morning we had a really good attendance. 
uh, for the middle of COVID. Uh, three years ago, I'd have been having a heart attack. But this morning I looked around and I thought, this is great, it's good attendance. As time passes, I'm looking for us to again, come back together as a whole body, unified in the Lord Jesus Christ, glorifying God, not only in presence, but also in heart and soul, vision and effort, that we might make a difference in the community and the place that we live. Certainly, we know that unity reflects positively on our cause for Christ. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So the apostle writes to the church in Philippi and he tells them, he's saying, I'm hearing about you working together, pulling together, being united in your faith and effort and vision. And it honors God. So you and I, certainly as we go through these, I'm hoping waning months of COVID, you know, we need to pray for one another. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just this week, I've had several people text or email, reach out and let us know, you know, we've gotten COVID or our kids have COVID or somebody has COVID who I've been with, so I'm not going to be there Sunday. It's just the times we live in, isn't it? But we're going to come out of this. I am hopeful. I am certainly prayerful that we are going to. And as we do, we need to do even as the church in Philippi. It needs to be that our conversation, that it becometh the gospel of Christ. And that whether somebody sees us or hears about us, they may hear of our affairs that we stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's something that you have to work at. In your family, it's not going to happen by osmosis. You young couples, it doesn't happen by accident that you are united in raising your kids and united in your finances, united in caring for your property and united in your faith. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to work at it. All that time invested chatting and talking is working towards unity. You want to sit and talk. Uh, Sandra, Joe, and I, we used to love to do long driving trips. Not so much now. But when we were young, when we were the age of these young couples, and I would drive her, we would go all the way to Texas on vacation. And you know what I said, I would drive her. Because when we were young couples, you know, I would drive for 10 hours, and she'd say, well, let me drive for a little while. And I know she's right around that corner there, so I'll be careful. But she'd say, let me drive for a while. And I'd, I'd pull over, I'd go ahead and let her drive. And in about 20 minutes, she'd say, I can't do it anymore. I'm falling asleep. So I'd get back. So anyways, that's why I said I would drive her to Texas for my safety and hers. And you can ask her, that is true. But we love doing those trips because we would sit and chat for hours and hours and hours. We'd talk about 
that kids, or even before we had kids, we'd talk about having kids. After we had kids, we'd talk about raising kids. We'd talk about the church. We'd talk about the cows in the field. Who knows what we'd talk about? But we would just talk for hours and hours and hours. We loved that. Now I'm getting old and I get stiff and I get cantankerous after hours and hours and hours of driving. But I challenge you young people, don't get in there and put ear pods, isn't that what they call them, ear pods? Is that what they call them? Yes. Yeah. Don't put in ear pods and just go down the road and not talk to each other. In fact, when our kids were little and they were coming out with Walkman, I was a mean dad because what are you laughing about because of Walkman? <laughs> so my kids had Walkman, but when we got in the car to go on long trips, I would not let them sit in the back seat with those Walkman on. I would tell them, guys, we're going to limit how much time you can have with that thing because we're going to talk. We're going to sing. We're going to tell stories. We're going to play driving games. You know, it doesn't matter what, but we are, we're going to do something as a family so you can't wear those Walkman all the time. Did that make me popular all the time? Not really, but that's okay. Because I wanted that unity of the family because there was going to come a day when that little girl was going to look at me and say, I've met somebody else, I'm moving on. And that little boy was going to look at me and say, I met some cutie and I'm moving on. And I wanted those precious years together. So work at them. It's not easy. It's not always popular. The kids don't always say to you, I love you for that, Dad. That's okay. You got to be the dad. So as we look at this, he's challenging us in our homes and in our church. Yes, even in our nation. That we might strive towards accomplishing great things by striving towards unity. The last verse I want you to look at with me, if you would, turn over to 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful, which means to be tender-hearted. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. A lot of truth in that those two verses. I challenge you to make those two verses a part of your memory. Look at it, meditate on it, think upon it. For one thing, even the very last phrase that he says there, you, that, that you should inherit a blessing. Listen, when you are a blessing, higher probability you'll inherit a blessing. Then, as he talks about here, those who render, you know, railing for railing, who are contrary wise in their life, they're not going to get a blessing. There's no blessing to be had when you're railing back and forth. You and I, we have to strive towards pleasant things, things that build and accomplish. Certainly within our homes, it should be a, des a, de a desire, a distinct des desire 
for you to create a unity in your home to where you're pulling together. In our church, it should be that we strive towards unity in our doctrine, in our objectives, in our vision for the future. Caring for one another, praying for one another. Star, this evening, I, her and Terry had asked me for a little list of folks that they could reach out to and just minister to. And so I gave them a list. And on there, what did I give you? 20 names, Star? Your list. That's not even Terry's. Just stars. 20 people. And she told me tonight, she said, Pastor, I've already finished. And I just gave it to him the other day. She said, I've already finished writing a note to 20 people. Now, she's not talking about printing off a standard thing and addressing it and sending it off. Handwritten personal note to 20 people. That creates unity, doesn't it? That lets people know somebody loves me, cares about me, thinks about me. We can do that. We can do that as a church in so many different ways. Terry's got his list too, but Terry's not going to write notes. Terry's going to probably show up. He's going to stop by, hi, chat. Right, Terry? Probably. Use my phone. Oh, your phone. Yeah, okay. He's like the teenagers. He's going to text. <laughs> He's going to reach out there. You and I, there's so much we can do together in unity, one with another. We just have the purpose to do it. Whether it's in our church, whether it's in our home, and even in our nation. We need to pray for our nation to come back to a place where we have some sense of unity. I'm not exactly sure when that was. I mean, truly, as a, as a young person growing up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, our nation had a lot of division back then, too, didn't it? But it did seem like we kind of went through a time where it was a little more even-keeled. And now we're back to just crazy division from coast to coast. We need to pray for unity for our nation. And we need to strive towards unity within our home, and within our church. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you so much for coming out tonight, for taking time to look into the scriptures. And I challenge you as you go forth tonight, strive towards unity. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to come and look into your holy word. I ask that you help us as believers to really take to heart these scriptures, that we might strive towards unity. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.